Molly O'Connor. And I'm Sarah Connell. And you are listening to Pop It. This is the podcast for popping questions, popping bottles, and pop culture. This week on Pop It, we're on site at Greater Good, America's first all-imperial brewing company. We are joined by beer and brand specialist JT Ethier, star tender Katie Mahoney, <laughs> and front of house manager Melissa Sherry. We're talking ABVs, beer scandals, and much more. And we also have John Tonelli here for sound yeah. and the talented Unity Mike Hendrickson taking some photos. Thank you. We just waved to each other. You guys can't see that because you're not viewers. You're listeners, but we just waved. <laughs> Can all of you just introduce yourselves by name? Uh, I'm Katie Mahoney. I'm Melissa Sherry. And I'm JT Ethier. Probably ought to recognize my voice differently. <laughs> a little easier. Yeah. Yeah, and we appreciate you joining us as well. We wanted to talk about women in beer, but I also want to get some of the like marketing side of things. I know you guys have worked really hard to make this brand relevant in just one year's time. Yeah, a great year. I can't even believe it's only been a year. <laughs> And speaking of marketing, too, we had the folks from Hella Cocktail Company reach yes. out and ask if we could try their new soda that hits the market in the spring. Um, I'm drinking the Bitters and Soda Spritz Aromatic, and a- it's delicious. Oh, yeah. I am about to open the Dry Aromatic. Get that. Get the sound. Um, so, Sarah, yours is the Spritz, which is supposed to be like more like a Negroni yeah. flavor, right, with no alcohol? That's right. And I would say, like, when I'm at a bar and I'm not drinking, I would order bitters and soda. It's got this medicinal quality to it. It's good for your tummy. Yep. That's what I can taste it here. I like it. It is weird. What makes it weird? <laughs> it just is, like, not a, it's just, like, not a, ta- like, a flavor that I usually have isolated. I think Melissa said it tastes like Christmas tree, kind of. Yeah, this, the spritz tastes like Christmas. Though well, that's, that I'm makes sense, because yes, that's the Negroni flavor. Yeah. So Negronis normally would be made with gin. Um, so that makes sense. This one, it's just like, I think that it's just, I do like it, but it's like, it's surprising because, and I can like recognize the flavor, but from being in stuff. So I've never had it on its own. It's good. It is refreshing. Well, I mostly liked, I've been in communication with Eddie, who does a lot of their marketing, and he's one of the founders, and Molly was just flipping through, and she was like, who is this? There's she- a very handsome gentleman who is one of the founders also. I'm not sure... I think it's Tobin. Is, is no, it Tobin I that think, you love? I don't know if it's Tobin or, or Jean Marie. Jean Marie. Jean Marie. Well, I'm gonna put in a good word, Eddie. <laughs> I told you I'd follow up, but I need something from you now. <laughs> yeah, Eddie. Hook <laughs> me up. Are these guys around here? Uh, no, California? they're yeah, they're located oh, nice. out of California, Northern California. I'm guessing because Hella is helicopter. Yeah, yeah Hella is <laughs> a very big thing there. But you guys recently brewed something brand new as well. Can you tell us about your Pink Boots beer? So it's a 6% black IPA called Pink is the New Black. Um, And it is in collaboration with Pink Boot Society, which is an international organization for women in the craft beer industry. And their mission is to educate and empower women within the industry through um, like scholarships. So every month they give away something. I think this month they're giving away a scholarship to um, White Labs, which is a yeast like workshop, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A yeast clinic where you learn about yeast and yeah, that sounds terrifying. I should know more, but where you learn about yeast and the development of yeast for your beer and all different strains that makes sense. Yeah, and like each chapter gives out their own scholarships as well. So I think Boston did uh, Cicerone one recently as well. And Katie, I said to you, "Are you a first-time brewer?" And you said, "No, no, <laughs> no." So we brewed this beer at at our contract brewing facility in Williamsburg, but I've come in. 
because I teach as well. So I came in over the summer and uh, met with Sean and did a batch of Pulp Daddy there. And then I've brewed at Deja Brew and at, at the house as well. I went nice. to Deja Brew too this year and I learned the basics, yes. but I want to learn to not use a malt extract. Absolutely. Sean Radzik is our head brewer here who is really open to all staff to come learn what they want um, if you have the time. I've done it two or three times with them and it's just a wealth of knowledge. If you want to learn, they have everything you need. So it's been great. Well, and I feel like the way you learn is by actually doing it, right? So it's like that experiential learning as opposed to just like someone telling you how it works. Like you could explain to me how a beer is brewed and I'd be like, some of this sounds like stuff I've heard before and other parts of it make no sense to me. And you retain so much of it when you're actually digging the grain out of the equipment (laughs) and you're seeing it move and it's a product that you had your hand in. It's really special. Absolutely. It makes a huge difference front of house too because if you can actually talk to people, especially the guys unfortunately have to say it that way because you know you'll go and you'll be saying something to them and they're like they'll turn around and you know call the next guy over. They don't believe Is that true? It's like yes it's very true. I I did it. One of my biggest complaints is hearing customers ask one of the guys behind the bar, the exact same question I just answered, and then I turn my back, and when they think I'm out of earshot, the exact same question. <laughs> it doesn't happen as often anymore, but did a little bit. I think that's an issue across industries, though, or across society, right? Is like, I think, uh, like, there's that kind of theory of, like, women in boardrooms speaking up and having an idea, and then someone else saying the same exact idea, right? And then being like, I just said that. Like, Why aren't you listening to me? We're really fortunate here. Over 50% of our staff across our company is women. And we actually, this week, just brought on our first female brewer, which is so hey, exciting. I didn't know that either. Yeah. That's exciting. <laughs> so Meredith just joined us in the back of house. So we're going to have representation in all of our departments. Our first external sales manager is a female as well. So having, like, pretty much 50-50 of everybody and their ideas has been great. And I know, especially from Pink Boots and other people that we've talked to, that's not the normal case um, for a lot of places. And you get that bro culture in other breweries where this is how they do it. It's how they're always going to do it. And if you come in there with a different perspective, it's not going to work. And we've been lucky where we were built with diversity. Um, So it's been great. And I hear you ladies are going to demonstrate some of your strength in a in arm in arm wrestling. Yeah, oh, oh, oh no! Hey, you <laughs> incredible pulp, don't you? Sorry. It, <laughs> so Mel was our arm wrestling representation last year, but this in June they'll be doing it again. What, so, it, what is the like? What is the competition? So it's it's a uh, fundraiser for Pink Boots where they ha- every a bunch of breweries send a representative representative from the brewery. Get all dressed up. There's glitter. There's spandex. <laughs> there's a lot of ladies arm wrestling. Sounds like glow. It's yeah. so it's much fun. A lot yeah. like it's glow. Very much like glow yeah. here. Except Pop with it. a little bit more beer. Yeah. <laughs> so slightly better. I don't know. <laughs> but what the women do is they dress up, and there's like all these rounds, and it gets intense. Oh, it's so crazy. there's a professional. Um, a ref, ref and a professional table. Like there's a they make tables for these things. And you're like you're instructed at the beginning to like. He does like a practice round with all of them. I don't, were you there I, for I wasn't this? there. No, you had, so, me, you had me helping with tickets. So. Yeah. You're going to get the practice round where he gets you, teaches you how to like wrap your body around the table to like leverage your way. Yeah. It's incredible. It's That's so awesome. great. I've never did competitive sports. And that was like 
I felt like I got a touchdown. <laughs> so I won one round. You won your first round. You killed yeah. it. It was so great. And but so I, it's a it's a fundraiser. So yeah, yeah it's, it's one of the cool. biggest fundraisers for Pink Boots that we have. Um, this year's jungle themed, and I have yet to find a good name. <laughs> yeah, if anyone has any ideas, yeah, comment. I, I mean, I need to get it in pretty quick, but okay. I mean, right now I'm leaning towards the frizz because you know school teacher and but it's not yes. jungle themed. But she does go on field trips, and I can you know. Oh yeah, the magic school bus goes all over. Yeah, I think that works yeah. out. I don't know that they've left the country. I don't know that they've left the continental United States, but there's definitely a way to fit it in. I bet you could make it work. JT, I wanted to ask you about the bull moose. What is the significance mm. of the logo for Greater Good? Yeah, maybe we can work that in somehow. I so mean, they did. No, I, no somebody moose in the jungle, right? somebody well, suggested a name, and I don't know if it's gonna. I, I don't have the confidence to pull it off. <laughs> Well, the bull moose was uh, our owner Paul's idea. Uh, we made, like you said earlier when you opened up, that we're America's first all-imperial brewing company. So uh, the moose, the bull moose being the largest terrestrial mammal in New England, we figured, you know, pretty good representation of, of the biggest beers that you could possibly make being all-imperial beers. So that's how that came to be. So when you that's say cool. imperial, I think 8 to 12%. Is that yeah, about right? 8 and up. Anywhere. We would classify it as imperial if it was above 8 uh, we also have the Sole Purpose Sessions brand, which you'll see some branding around here uh, in the brewery. I know the listeners can't see it right now, but they should come in and visit, <laughs> and they'll see it everywhere. Sole Purpose yeah. has been a lifesaver for me, because I think yeah. I came in here before you opened. You walked me through for Mass Foodie. That's right, yeah, you one of the first interviews you had. And uh-huh. we, we walked through, and you said, like, all the beers are between 8 and 12%. And I'm like, JT, uh, I'm never going to okay. stay for more than one. I, yeah, I'm going to get myself into trouble. And you were like, well, that's already in the works. Yeah. So these beers are closer to, like, 4 or 5%, right? Yeah, they're going to be between, you know, 4 and 7% and uh, 4 and 6%, right around that area. And that was, like, a very good example of what we heard from everybody and what we thought for ourselves when, when we th- thought we have to open a tap room. Uh, it's... enough, that makes it a really short stay, uh, unless you have something that's around 4%. Well, I mean, I guess you could, like, sit with two for a while, right? A couple. Because there's games to play, there's arcade yeah. We have the food, too. We have the uh, the kitchen menu, Toast Test Kitchen, so... Oh, that is what I was talking about last night. (laughs) Sarah was like... We were trying to put a little bit together, and I was like, I am happy to talk about soft pretzels with cheese for (laughs) as long as you need or want me to. And they are very good here. The soft pretzels oh, yeah. are excellent. They are, and we, I mean, yeah. Melissa could speak a little bit more to it. She works really closely with uh, Lee, our, our chef, to, we've actually expanded the menu probably times yeah. three since we, oh, since we actually opened. He puts out some killer specials, too. Yeah. This week, to go with the pink is the new black theme, he did a shrimp um, special with truffle salt on it, so it was pink, pink shrimp yeah. with, like, the black truffle on it. It was a really cool artistic play on what we were trying to achieve. So he's been great with specials. Last week we did a special that was my favorite thing. It was um, like a Mediterranean wrap with hummus and veggies and all kinds of stuff. So he's trying to get out to everybody. Right, a little bit of variety. Yep. Well, I love that the crowd is different every time I come in based on why I'm here. Mm-hmm. I came in for like a graphic design class with Jesse Katz and we created glassware. I came in for trivia a bunch this winter, and that was a blast. And on your Instagram, there's all these photos of me holding the baby. <laughs> yeah, or it's Mark Bornstein, who's been a guest of ours before. Bornstein. Bornstein, I know. Sarah. And he, he's, like, cradling the baby and holding it on his shoulders, and I love that it's in all your PR materials for trivia night. It really gets people in the door. My good luck charm. 
Yeah. But you've got a welcoming spot for families too. So yes. I came in to see Colt and the Coyotes and there were kids dancing and playing. And then I understood the baby. But, you know, like <laughs> it's a welcoming environment. Yes. It's Andy's fa- daughter's favorite baby. Like <laughs> she, she gravitates to it every time she's here. We're trying to build a collection of events that gets all walks of life in here. Um, We have a big birthday party coming up that we've gotten a lot of social media attention for. We're super excited to have some of the... Our own birthday party, actually. Not somebody else's. Yeah, Yeah, it's our birthday party. It's Greater Good's birthday party. I was going to be like, is it Rosie's birthday party? But we're excited to have some of the exact same customers who were here on the first day we opened, still excited to come back a year later and enjoy a hopefully new and improved experience than what they got on the first day. Um, So that's really exciting. That's April 27th. This weekend is my favorite beer activity in the city, yearly anyway, for the last probably eight years. And that's Stout Fest at Armsby Abbey. But I noticed when it started, we would always do a founder's breakfast and they'd feature like KBS and CBS, Mm -hmm. which is Kentucky Breakfast Out and Canadian Breakfast Out, and those are like widely sought after beers for a long time. And Founders is missing from their list this year. And I started to think more about it. I've kind of seen a story in the news. And um, I wanted to ask your opinion. Let's see. It was in an Eater article out of Michigan. And it said, employee Tracy Evans characterizes the company founders, their work culture as toxic and superiors as failing to adequately address racist behavior by employees. Evans, who is black, worked at both the Grand Rapids and Detroit Detroit locations of founders beginning in approximately 2014. He got his start at the brewery as a packaging machine manager and was the events and promotions manager at the Detroit Tap Room at the time of his firing in June 2018. During his time in Grand Rapids, Evans claims that he encountered blatantly racist behavior by management. In one instance, the complaint alleges that founders employees named the facility's upstairs management printer the white guy printer and the downstairs general employee printer the black guy printer. Attorneys for the company denied the allegations regarding the naming of the printers and founders' response to the complaint. So obviously that sort of thing is not going on here, but I want to know how you're creating a really open and diverse environment. I know you just said you've got tons of female employees. How are you attracting a wide range of people in our beautiful city, which is so diverse? So that's super sad. <laughs> it makes me feel really sad to hear that that's still happening today. Yeah, especially I just yeah. can't yeah. even comprehend how that's acceptable to some people. Um, but I actually just started last week as a front of house manager, kind of making a forum every week where it's an hour of my time that I'm going to dedicate to being an open book for anybody who wants to come talk to me. Like office um, hours, kind Yep, of. so one hour a week, um, I'm open. You can call me, you can come in, you can write me an email, and I'll be available for you at that time. So in terms of retaining people we already have and making sure that everybody feels comfortable to talk about whether it's improvements or something that's going on that we're not seeing, um, that's something that we're doing. And then we've... JT and I have been talking a lot about um, like sending out surveys to staff. So checking in with how they think management is doing well and how we're not. And since we're only a year old, a lot of this stuff is just developing for us. <laughs> so we're not at a stage where like we have some of the stuff that founders might have in place in terms of policy and all that. So we're just working day by day to build. Yeah, I think something else that we do is people that we've hired haven't always had 
brewery backgrounds. They're not people that came from like two or three different breweries. We really are looking for the personality, uh, stuff that you really shouldn't have to teach, stuff that should come easy to like, you know, good people. And we can teach the beer stuff. So it's, it's during these interviews, I mean, we've interviewed people with plenty of beer experience who didn't work out the, mm-hmm. just because it didn't seem like they were going to be like a good fit. We only had a couple people on staff that have previous beer experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, only a couple. And there's some people that have zero. <laughs> so. No bad habits that way. Yeah, yep. exactly. And we're finding a really good mix. Like I have a few people who have been in the industry their whole life and they're phenomenal staff. Like they're respectful. They, we're becoming a family the more we grow. And then like JT said, there's just some people who have developed bad habits and have weeded themselves out. And Paul and Charmin Wengender who own Greater Good are the most open to like hearing people out. Like if you go to them and you have an idea and you want to pursue it, do it. And they're totally on that track. So that's been really great to work with here. I mean, we have to have that kind of mentality too, because called greater good. Yeah. (laughs) That's our name. Yeah. Right. And I know JT, you did come from the beer world. You worked for Trillium briefly, right? I did. Yeah. For almost a year and a half. And they've been in the news also. (laughs) They're usually in the news, but this past year was probably a little rougher. Well, and I've had the opportunity to meet JC and Esther, the owners a handful of times at different events and they would welcome us when I did work at Armsby Abbey and uh, they were so kind always. So the story really caught me by surprise, but it it had two parts. The first part, uh, Trillium was accused of paying its workers really poorly and lying to customers. The post that appeared on Beer Advocate and then disappeared and then showed up on Reddit and then showed up again on Beer Advocate. It was like this big scandal. No one knew, do we trust this or not? But it said that Trillium downgraded its retail workers from $8 an hour to $5 an hour when it opened their new location. And the other employees' pay was also cut around that time. Uh, The Post said that owners were well aware of the fact that people wanted the prestige of working for a top brewery, and they were willing to be underpaid to build the resume. And I know, Molly, we were talking about this tweet I saw recently by Davey Greenberg. It said, if I do a job in 30 minutes, it's because I spent 10 years learning how to do that in 30 minutes. You owe me for the years, not the minutes. Right. And I think think that there's, I don't know, there's like this pervasive sense. Well, I mean, there's been a lot of union busting in the last 20 or so years that I think stemmed from some Reaganomic views of how, you know, the labor and the workforce should work. Um, but I think that there's this sense now that like you can, people can just decide like, oh, I'm going to pay you this much and like whatever. Um, because it either whatever the like vocation is or the job is doesn't seem like work to that person, but like labor is labor. And so, and that doesn't matter if it's, if you're, you know, moving someone into their house or if you are like playing music at an event, like labor is labor and people need to get paid for it. So I guess my question has two prongs. What was your experience there? And then also, how do you make sure that your employees here are fairly compensated? Mass Foodies curates exclusive events and publishes thought-provoking content for the food-centric person. When asking yourself where to eat tonight, turn to MassFoodies.com to see what's happening in the Massachusetts food scene. That's MassFoodies.com. Yeah, it's always, I mean, as far as Trillium goes in my time at Trillium, it was, I mean, I have a lot of great friends from Trillium and... My time there was awesome. I had a really great experience. It, it kind of launched my career in a different direction when I took a job at Trillium. Uh, that being said, they were scaling up really fast when I was there. And it's something that a lot of craft breweries are doing these year, uh, the past couple of years. Uh, 
So it is really tough when you're going. When I started at Trillium, there must have been 50-ish employees, and when I left, there was probably close to 150 to 275, probably. And that was mainly production growing and a uh, seasonal beer garden downtown Boston opening up. So they had some part-time work, but yeah. And now seeing it from this side, it's it is it causes a little bit of anxiety. Saying like, how are we going to scale this and keep everybody happy? Uh, because in, in my opinion, somebody that's been here since the beginning, you know, is more valuable, even if they're, they're, they shouldn't, in my opinion, be making the same exact rate as somebody who just got onboarded, which I, I think was one of the things that was, was uh, in the Trillium reports. But uh, it's, it's weird, you know, scaling a business and wondering how you're going to do it and keep everybody happy and also keep money coming in and uh, have the funds for that. So I, I feel where they were coming from. I know that there are struggles on both sides from, from the management uh, perspective and from the employee perspective, but like you were saying, uh, you pay me for the years. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Uh, you can have somebody, one one employee that's been there for four years that is really worth like three or four employees. Uh, do you really want to train somebody for those like to match that four year, five year employees output? Uh, just to pay them less. Just to pay them less. Yeah. yeah. So. You also have like, especially in a bigger facility where you've got people working in the labs for doing yeah. like skilled in different ways. So you want to make sure that. Being come like you said, trained for like musicians will go to school for ages or you know practice for ages, and are probably one of the more poorly compensated for their craft. But like if you've got somebody who's a scientist and working in the beer lab, you need to make sure that they're compensated in a different way than the person working front of house as well. Yeah, yeah and it has to make sense. And everybody has to know why they're being compensated the way that they are, and, mm-hmm. and that has to be upfront. And the expectations have to be you know there from both sides right at the beginning, so there's no questioning. Yeah, I think transparency is a really big. Um, point for and that's again across all industries right is like being clear about that I mean the way that Lily Ledbetter who from the Lily Ledbetter act she's the one who crusaded the equal pay she didn't even know she had to like go around and ask the men that she worked with because she had no idea that she was making less money than they were for doing the same job and so it's like this idea that you don't even realize it um, is like (laughs) mind-blowing I watched Kim, the manager of Treehouse, speak on a panel last Thursday, and she was brilliant. But she said they're going toward an open book model, and they're doing a lot of like financial literacy type classes and learning opportunities for their employees. And they've obviously just scaled up as well. They just bought a farm. They're growing and growing. Yeah, and that's that's you know, yeah, from the Trillium's perspective, they went from two locations to five, I think, in the past couple of years. So. Uh, once you see stuff like that happening, you're like, you know, well, I know maybe why they were a little more anxious with their with their money if they got that stuff coming down the pipe. But, so that uh, brings me to the lying to customers. The second part of this post said that they were claiming that some of their beers had been tequila barrel age and that actually they were adding spirits to the beer and not aging them in the tequila barrels. And JC came out immediately and was like, uh, as a practice, we do not add spirits to our beer. We do not market beers as barrel-aged if they do not spend time in barrels. And the beer we fill our growlers with is no different than our packaged beer. All of our beer is constantly monitored by our retail team, quality assurance lab, and production team. But when that misinformation came out there, I think it certainly hurt everybody's trust of this brand. Well, he also didn't say, he didn't specify tequila barrel-aged. He said, we say if they're barrel-aged, but he didn't say like the Tequila barrel eight, like that, you know, that's sort of a point that 
That makes it interesting. This is an interesting statement, yeah. right? I think it was a pretty adamant. He was saying, no, yeah, but yeah. I'm just saying, like, as someone who's gonna read stuff as spin, like, I am always like, well, <laughs> um, it's that's interesting. And yeah, it's it's probably sounds. It's probably a, a way where it sounds too well written to, and, and it comes off as dishonest. But in, with somebody like a company that size, you go online, you see they have 150,000 Instagram followers. You really got to keep it buttoned up, even if it sounds canned and corporate. You kind of do have to keep. It oh, absolutely. Up, so. And especially for such a mega brand like that, around where we are, it's so painful to smaller craft breweries like ours when stuff like that comes out, because then not only. Does, do they get a bad reputation? But when we're releasing all this stuff that we've put so much love and work into, it's just bashed because something like that has happened. Yeah. So it affects everybody. Yeah. I know it hit them hard. I know it, it definitely, they, they care about their employees hard a lot over there. So it definitely hit them hard, especially the employee stuff. I was reading earlier today, a very similar lawsuit was filed against Nestle Water um, because oh, I saw that, the, yeah. about Poland Spring. It's not spring, That right? it's filed, it's yeah, the, and, in, and in the, like, the file, it basically says, like, not one drop of <laughs> Poland Spring water comes from a spring, and then they were getting trouble for all kinds of other stuff, too, and I was, like, bummed about it because, like, I'm always like, yeah, Poland Spring, that's probably better. But then yeah. it's yeah. it just snowballs into all these other things. Like, yeah. then you learn that the word natural is not coined by the FDA right. so literally anybody can put the word natural on anything and it doesn't mean a thing like wait a minute um it is fascinating though and I actually I had no idea that Nestle owned Poland Spring and if I did I would have been like wait a minute I feel like I have a bottle of Poland Spring water and a bottle of Nestle water in my <laughs> fridge right now that feels like a monopoly almost <laughs> So tell us how you fell in love with beer. I'll, I'll go first, I guess. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, I've been in beer. I've been, quote unquote, in beer. And uh, I mean, I, I grew up in Spencer right down the street. So uh, I'm right down the street, 20 minutes from here. Uh, for Central Mass, that's right down the street, I, I'm pretty sure. But I was in, quote unquote, treehouse territory. And I tried them for the first time. Uh, I, I'd had shelf beers, like beers that, you know, Sam Adams, stuff like that, Harpoon, that made its way out here, but, you know, wasn't fresh. So having beer fresh for the first time, right from right from the tap, essentially, was a huge thing for me. And I was I was working in marketing at the time, and I thought, man, this is a, something that's coming down the pipe. This is like a big bubble here that maybe it'll burst, but it's still growing and growing and growing, especially in this area. So, I mean, I had had plenty of beers from Treehouse. I started branching out to other places, you know, in Massachusetts and New England, trying their stuff. And when the day came where I finally decided I didn't really want to sit at a desk anymore, uh, my job, which had been fun, it brought me into a desk as our company scaled up and I had been sitting there a lot. So I was thinking about a career change and just happened to put my application in at Trillium on a day that they dug into a pile of applications. And they, <laughs> they called me and said, hey, what are you doing? You're working in marketing and you want a 10 bar? And I said, yeah, I mean, if it's, if it's enough hours and the money's good enough, it seems like a real good thing to get into. So I did that for about six months, and I was a manager for about six months at Trillium. And then a bunch of life things happened where I moved and told the car and all sorts of stuff, you know. It was a long travel. Uh, so after I moved back to Spencer here, uh, my buddy told me, hey, I got this guy I'm building the bar for, and his name is Paul Wengender. He's opening Greater Good Imperial Brewing Company. You should go talk to him. And I came in here. Actually, I met Paul at Sturbridge Coffee House out in Sturbridge, and we talked for almost two hours, and pretty much that day I knew I was... The, the ball, the, the snowball was rolling where I was going to, you know, put in my two weeks at Trillium and it was going to be an amicable separation. And, you know, it happens a lot. Like, I mean, like you said, uh, they, they were experiencing, like, different culturally, cultural differences than what you'd ex normally experience in the, the beer industry due to their scale. So 
there's people that were coming and going. And uh, right around the same time that I did, there was people moving up to Maine and going to new breweries, starting breweries, and going to New York and st- starting breweries or joining existing breweries. And uh, felt like it was my time to, you know, come out here and do my own thing. And, time to shine. Yeah, and I guess so. <laughs> interesting you and Melissa are both from Spencer because there are very few Trappist breweries in the yes. world. <laughs> and that's kind of what started the craft beer craze here. I think yeah. everyone went wild over Westie. And yeah. then from there, like, all of a sudden in Spencer, they announced that they were going to start bottling beer at their yeah. Trappist brewery, you know? So the only one, yeah, in North America. They were really, the first yeah. one, yeah, in I North America. like, my mom being like, did you hear about this? It's crazy. Like, yeah. it's right next to the jam. It's like- but it was, so, it was so secretive at the time. You couldn't go up there because it's a, a Trappist Monk facility, right. so it's off, off the limits of the public. It's beautiful. Yeah. It is, they they, they do an open house once in, a year. Yeah. It's gorgeous. I learned to drive up there. <laughs> yeah, they say I don't know don't if Legal. No, I don't. <laughs> well, so they say not to drive up there, but they're silent monks, so they're going to be getting yelled yeah. at. <laughs> so there must be something in the water, yeah. Spencer. <laughs> beer in the water. Yep. But Melissa, how did you fall in love with beer? Mine's actually chronological to JT's. So um, I was working a desk job for about a year when I graduated from UMass Dartmouth. My degree is in political science and economics. And when I left school, I felt super lost. <laughs> like I feel like a lot of new undergrad students feel. Um, didn't really know what to do. I was um, fundraising for a nonprofit and really loved the mission, but wasn't super happy sitting at a desk. And I found that I was a lot more social than I really thought I was. I discovered a lot about myself. Um, and then JT actually made a post on Instagram <laughs> that said, we're opening a new brewery up on Millbrook Street. And at that point in my life, I was like, I will work 40 hours behind a bar. Like, I can talk to people all day long. I applied, I got the job, and I really fell in love with the connection with customers and the process. So as much as I love beer and I enjoy it, I really love seeing how other people love and enjoy it and how they're so drawn to this space and us personally because they're connected to our product. That's really where my love for craft beer is. And then going to another brewery where you're talking to bartenders who are experiencing that with you on the other side, I'm just so in love with that process. and. I've been working behind a bar or in a restaurant since I was 14 years old. This is unlike anything I've ever experienced. Our customers come in and they're, they're, this is like their home. Like they sit down and they love us and they bring us presents and they are like so interested to hear like how we're doing and updates on our life. And us the same. Yeah. The people that come in all the time, we're checking in on them and like, oh, somebody had surgery recently. Yeah. I was like, oh no, yeah. are you all right? Is everything okay? And then like, there are the few who have your phone number and who text you like, I just made a bunch of applesauce. Like, when are you in this week? That really, I have applesauce in my refrigerator. <laughs> yeah, so that's my love for craft beer. I love that connection with people. It's a real and like... Yeah, the, the culture yeah. and the culture in the industry is culture amazing. Outside. Like it's just everyone's very welcoming, and mm-hmm. I know we were talking about the, the poor sides of it, but that those are anomalies most of the mm-hmm. time. It's everyone's very excited about what they're doing, want to share what they know, and then customers the same. A lot of we got a lot of customers that are home brewers, and okay, come in and be like. I was wondering what to do with that. I have that hops in yep. my fridge, and you guys just showed me how I can make it like work for our beer, and that's super exciting to hear. Do you guys have any forever beers? Like, I love Allagash Red. I love Hill Farmstead Harlan. It's just got this, like, dank, grassy note. 
I don't know, are there any beers that are not greater good beers that if you had to choose one beer to drink for the rest of your life, you would choose? Your life. Desert Island beer? Yeah, but oh. but greater good's out. This is a very good question. I've gotten this question, so I don't you, think you I have the answer. Like We've talked about this before. <laughs> maybe Georgie. I can give, give you some time. By this is really hard. So my, my, it's really uh, <laughs> my Desert Island beer would probably be uh, Anna by Hell Farmstead. Uh, I was drinking Anna yeah, last honey, night. Like, I love Anna. Tart honey ale. Yeah, Anna almost was drinks, on tap. Almost drinks like a Saison almost, so it's lighter drinking, tart, very refreshing. I love Anna. Yeah, I, I really love Crooked Stave Ooh. Petite Peach. Yeah, that's a really good I one. Really I really love that on beer. Last I like night at the dive bar. <laughs> what? Uh, I didn't have it, though. Where was I last night? That just brings know, me right Katie. back to summer. Like, if I drink that, I'm in the best place. I was playing summer. bingo in Clinton. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it was not the same, but still good. Katie, uh, what's yours? I like... So there's a couple. I like Seesaw. Any of the Seesaw series mm. from Trillium from is Trillium. mm. really good. But also, uh, there's one from Monkish called The Feminist. It's a hibiscus, like, Ooh. soury. It's, it's, it's very... Very nice. And I don't get it very often, so whenever I do, I'm like, oh, yes. <laughs> I think that mine is Frickin' Feather. It's in absentia. That's my favorite yeah, beer. Frickin' Feather. Yeah. I love in absentia. I also, re- I love Positively 11th Street, too, but I think in absentia is my, my favorite beer. <laughs> so we always talk about local culture. We'll talk about pop culture at the end of the episode. <laughs> we talk about professional culture, too. We've touched on that a little bit, but JT, I actually have kind of a personal question about professional culture. Let's go. I know you're in a relationship with like my counterpart. We all have, you know, I write about arts and culture, Bizarre but mostly Sarah. mostly food for Worcester Magazine. And your girlfriend does that for Mass Yeah, Live. he was on the same beat. Yeah, so you I know, see You guys her have around. to arm wrestle. <laughs> <laughs> she's awesome. And not everybody is awesome when you're doing the same thing, but she's yeah. so sweet. And if oh, I text is, her yeah. or call her or email her, she's so kind yeah. and, and she's wonderful. But I know that with my significant other, my fiance, who we lovingly refer to as Jasper. We love Jasper. Yeah. He Jasper's a nice guy. Sometimes his work interferes and he is not in the food industry, but like one of his big projects for work this year was the negotiations for the Worcester Red Sox. And so every reporter who's like a serious reporter in the city was at this big press conference in August. We all got invited and he said, Sarah, I don't want you to go because I don't want people to think that like you're there because I pulled strings or whatever. And I didn't go and I was so mad. It's the biggest fight we've ever been in. I got to their apartment. Like I forgot. I was like, hey, I'm here. And then it was like, 10 minutes Ten, later. And I was like, what? And then she came downstairs and was like, well. <laughs> I didn't get to go to yeah. the press conference. And I remember, too, I, we were taping an episode of Worcester Magazine Radio Hour, and I left the studio with yeah. Bill Shaner, Josh Lyford, and Ben White. They're all like, They're we're all going, going to the press conference. And I sat in a coffee shop across the street and watched it on Facebook Live. I was so pissed. But we had to have that conversation yeah. finally and say, like, if we're both going to do things that do overlap because Worcester's small, how are we going to deal with this? Yeah. So how do you deal with it? It's it's interesting because, I mean, we, we live together. Uh, we met here, here right in the brewery uh, the first time that she interviewed me. So we knew shortly after that that it, it couldn't go along. We were out in Worcester all the time. So we had to let people know. Let, I mean, it's not a problem for me on my end except for, like, an ethical thing, I guess, if, it, if she was going to write about us. But, uh, yeah, she had to let the people at Mass Live know. Luckily, there's plenty of media outlets in the city. And, as you know, like, there's a ton of stuff going on. Like, you guys write the same kind of stuff. And you're, sometimes you're writing completely different stories in different right. weeks where it's like there's so much going on in Worcester that uh, – so, you know, I have people at Worcester Magazine, Mass Foodies, uh, Telegram. There's plenty of people that are calling us up for the brewery. Uh, 
brewery stuff is such a hot topic that we've been able to make it make it work and not make anybody angry because you know it's a lot of competition in the city. <laughs> Us too. I guess the end of the story is that his boss actually said to him, "You're being an idiot." <laughs> yeah. She's a reporter. Let her be a reporter. And I yeah, think funny, I yeah. think that night I was like, "Yes, sir. You're so right." Like I can't believe he did that. <laughs> no, we said we we had those nights early on. You know when we were like, "Well, when you first meet, when you're like, well, are we dating or we're not? We weren't living together at the point." And so I'm so oblivious. Like every time we were out, it was like Aviva and JT, and I'm like, "Oh my god, Aviva's so great. I'm so glad she's like friends with all of us." Now. And then. Katie, like Katie one night was like, yeah, like there's something going on. I was like, no. Was like, yeah. Like, what are you talking? And then finally he was like, yeah, there is. <laughs> we're hang yeah, we were all at the dive and I was like, yeah. <laughs> no. I guess transparency is everything. It, yeah, it I'm working be, on yep. a story that overlaps. We let everybody know. Yeah, know? especially when you're in a city like this. It's a close city for, for being the second largest city in New England. It, it really it's is. a lot of community yeah. vibe to it. So, I mean. Like we see each other everywhere. Like I see Sarah, and we see each other all the time. Mm-hmm. Molly, yeah. we saw Molly in Boston. Yes, yeah. Did you? Oh yes. yes. At um, actually, yeah. yeah, at EBF. So I was at the Extreme Beer Fest, and I went up, and I was like, because I had seen JT. Like I saw you like wheeling something in earlier, like from yeah. the car, like when we were parking yeah. or something like that. And then I went up, and I was like, hey, like is JT here? Yep. It was me and my fiance back there. Yeah. We're like, shout us out on Instagram. He's <laughs> like, are you Molly from Poppet? And I was like, what? It was very exciting, but it was cool. And that actually leads me, because we are talking about professional culture. Um, so I saw you guys at the beer fest, and it seemed like it was going really great for you. How yeah. many, like, have you, how many have you been to? What has your experience been with beer fests? How far have you gone? How far have you so traveled? So I've done, that was... My first Extreme Beer Fest, I actually attended like two days after I got this job last year. This was my first one working it, and then I've done um, Brew Woo. But in terms of like professional development, I think that like going to things that everybody else goes to, like um, like the young professional networks around, like those are still important for us. And I feel like especially people in breweries kind of sweep that stuff aside because it's not directly in your industry, but we're trying to be as involved as we possibly can in that yeah, stuff too. Yeah, a good mix of, you know, local community and beer community. Yep. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of but, the local I mean, stuff coming in here, like doing events here. And yeah. so it helps yeah. with the FaceTime and things as well. Beer uh, fest-wise, I've done a lot of them. You've done, so with how many have you done or uh, like with Greater Good? With Greater Good, I've done two Brewers and two EBFs yeah. and a Power Beer Fest yeah. and some other random ones sprinkled. I'd say a major fest up to close to 10 now. Nice. But I mean, just off-site events. I also manage all of our external events, right. so like all of the state. Uh, we did over 100 last year and I think we're approaching 70 now we're doing just like by three or April. four a week yeah. we had we had the big pop-up but uh in the common as well all summer yeah even so, yeah. and then last last summer every yeah, every so Friday weird. we had the pop-up on the common so that was something I also helped facilitate that okay was, that was a really good time out of Brewu extreme beer fest and what was the third big festival you power. mentioned power beer fest is in uh, Boston also. okay which one's like the party time one which one's the beer nerd <laughs> one I'd say the Boston ones I, you can almost draw a line down 495 <laughs> where like the Boston ones are going to be the beer nerd ones and then like little, like Western Mass Central Mass tend to be the more party animal ones where it really doesn't matter what line you're in you're just the shortest one's yeah. the best one even like walking around EBF Especially, too, like, I was with my cousin, Michaela, who's very, like, she's like, I'm going to get this Deepa and this, that, like, she's super into it, which is awesome. It was so much fun. But, like, even just walking around with the people I was with, we were like, well, I didn't like that, or I loved whatever, like, 
very, very into it in a way that wasn't just like I'm here to drink a lot. You yeah. can learn a lot about what you like and your preferences. Oh, absolutely. If you're, if that's your goal. Yes. Right. No, it was, yeah, it was really cool. There was one, it was like a, uh, it was like pineapple. I don't even remember. The ours? No. Okay. It was not yours. It was Do from you have a pineapple else. beer? We did. Yeah, we did a pineapple It was like coconut. a milkshake. Yeah, we did. Oh, yeah. so it must have been right behind us. It was, was somewhere nearby. Yeah. But we it was like, like hey, you guys got the same beer as us. I <laughs> was not into that. But it was good to know because I was really excited. I was like, cool, this sounds like something I love. And then I drank it and I was like, mm, this is not for me. <laughs> good thing I only got a little sip. Yeah, but it was Molly, like, should we take know. this time to make an announcement about our giveaway? Yeah, we're doing a giveaway, everyone. Actually, yeah. we're doing a couple. We're doing two, yes. Yeah. But the one that's related to this, is it a pair of tickets yes. or two oh. pairs? Of t- I think one pair of tickets. One pair of tickets. I think. To Brew Woo. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, we're so very excited. Look I will. For the details. Yes, there'll be details on Instagram. It does have to do with Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> I mean, obviously. <laughs> do you know Rosie O'Donnell's connection to the city of Worcester? No, I don't. I don't. You don't? I don't know. Well, she happens to be engaged to uh, a oh, cop wait. in the city of Worcester. Yes. She's the only yes. woman on the That's mounted right. unit. Yes. Yeah, and they're having a beautiful love affair. Yeah. And um, we keep trying to lobby for Rosie to come and tell us all about it. Rosie, come on, pop it. Well, I want to, I have so, not yet, they're engaged. engaged. So I have so many questions. <laughs> yeah, right? You can get married. Rosie, get married at Greater Good. Rosie, come and pop it. Yes. Yeah. So um, a third party did reach out last week and said she's aware of the show. So I will have more details about that in the future. But yeah. things are looking up, you know? Um, we're very excited. Mm-hmm. I, well, I just want to talk. I, I, like, grew up. I watched her show with my grandma, like, every day. Like, we, I loved her. Um, and, like, we love her in so many movies. A League in, of Their Own. Um, Sleep Us in Seattle. Beautiful, beautiful Girls. girls. Uh, 1994 is the Flintstones. <laughs> <laughs> now and then. Oh, yeah. I always forget about Now and Then, which is so weird because, like, I love Now that and Then. That is such a good yeah. movie. It is. It's so good. It's but we good want movie. to talk to Rosie, and yeah. we're like, whatever ha- we can do to help. Yeah, Rosie, come on, pop it. Hashtag Rosie, come on, pop it. Yeah, we'll rope you in. She has been in Miami for the last week, which is cool. Um, she has been posting a lot of pictures of the beautiful beaches and pools that or I don't think she's there anymore but she was there last week that they are at um we did have a commenter say something negative about Rosie O'Donnell on our Instagram page and I love I, your snapback too she she said something unkind that I'm not gonna repeat which is it's not inappropriate but I just don't think that people need to know what she said and <laughs> I just wrote back because I don't want to give yeah. Carla don't, yeah don't give her the <laughs> what she wants I don't want to give her exactly but I just I wrote back I said hi is there a reason you're bringing negativity to our page? And then I did correct her spelling. She spelled the name O'Donnell wrong. <gasps> and I was like, excuse you. But anyways, I was not happy about that. And it was also someone who, like, I don't know if she searched hashtags and found that post. But, like, she did not follow either of us. She, like, has no – or, like, anything related to us. She does not appear to be from Rosie. Massachusetts. <laughs> Around and comment. I don't think she's from here. I think she just was, like, a person who – was wanted to be like a keyboard warrior. Well, I feel like we have vaulted full throttle into pop culture. Yeah. So I'm going to I'm going to throw out our first would you rather. Yes. And if you need any background information, Molly happens to be an encyclopedia of pop culture. Got if you, you haven't noticed, yeah. Singer Justin Bieber announced to fans that he is stepping away from making new music in order to work on deep-rooted issues and his marriage with model Haley Baldwin. 
Bieber also said in his post Monday that he will come with a kick-ass album ASAP once he focuses on his health and his family. Would you rather Bieber's comeback be a twing-tastic country album that gains wide popularity or a lengthy experimental jazz album praised by a niche group of serious musicians? Mm. Experimental jazz, hands down. You guys know who Justin Bieber is, right? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got that covered. Just checking. How did he and Haley Baldwin come to find love? Um, that is a really good question. I think that they just run in those circles of like the Baldwin Hadid, like Swift. That, yeah, that they all just run in those circles. Yeah, um, yeah. Haley Baldwin like started modeling. She got involved with. She became best friends with like Gigi and Bella Hadid. Or so they probably grew up together. But yeah, I think it's just they ran in circles mm-hmm. together. Famous I, people stuff. Yes. Yeah. Bas- like literally. Yes. I wonder if any of them got into college. Uh, in, uh, by unsavory means. I actually don't think anyone went to I'm college. Going, I'm going country. Well, I have a question. Can it be, you said twangy, and I want to know if I can reclassify it as a bluegrass album. Ooh. Yeah, you know what? I'm okay with that. Then so yes, I want harder. bluegrass. Yeah, that's now it's different. Harder. Twi- twangy, I'd be like, yeah, no, give me the, uh, yeah. I don't know no, if I'll I listen to it No, I stick with jazz. I would, I would listen to a jazz one, but I also like a little little bluegrass folk stuff. Well, one thing about Justin Bieber is that, I, well, I think his voice is really good, but he also is like a prodigy. Like, if, like I don't know if anyone saw the documentary about him, but he's... Uh, I watched it twice. As a child, yeah, as, a, as like a, as like, right, as like a six-year-old is showing him on a drum set, oh, yeah. and he's a very good drummer, and so I think a jazz album could end up great. I mean, we genius. don't know. Yeah, Scooter. You know, I mean, we I never would, know what Scooter Braun's got up his sleeves. More than country, but I think the lyrics that would come out of a Justin Bieber off of sounding like rehab country album <laughs> could be great. <laughs> could That's be great. could be awesome. Yeah, like he would have some some ballads. I think maybe as a country Steve musician. Martin is going to play the banjo. Oh, we can dream. <laughs> okay. On Friday night, Stevie Nicks was at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, where she was being celebrated as the first woman to be honored twice in her career by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. As for her solo career, right? She had already through, been in with Fleetwood. Once with Fleetwood Mac. Uh, yeah, so this is, so this is her so solo. So she gets yes. two. Yes. She said, what I really loved about Harry was that when he chose to make a solo record from NSYNC, she was talking about Harry Styles, who's also Molly carries around with her on her phone case. I do. <laughs> I sure do love Harry Styles. But she was totally confused. She yeah. thought that Harry Styles was in NSYNC. Yes. So my question for you is, would you rather Harry Styles join NSYNC or Justin Timberlake Ooh. join One Direction? Does the other have to leave yes. if that's the case? I want Harry to join NSYNC. I think he and Joey Fatone would be so much fun together. <laughs> That's my answer. <laughs> this is a hard one. Yeah. That is a really good question. I want Justin in One Direction. I think the it could whole, breathe new life into his career. The whole dynamic, which I agree with that, but like his, I don't know vocally if he fits in. I am also a big One Direction fan. <laughs> and I'll, I don't know, vocally he'd be like, eh. He does have an older voice. Like he's, it's, he's it's got like, like 10 years on them. Yeah, it's also yeah, just like, he, like his. He fits in. <laughs> I don't know. Demographically more. That's a good question, Sarah. Oh, I don't know either. Oh. I would prefer if, you know, Justin Bieber maybe joined. Yeah. <laughs> 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 NSYNC. That would be great. With, yeah, the uh, revamping of NSYNC with three of the members and then Harry Styles and Justin three Bieber. Three of them. Oh, ooh. <laughs> Who are you going to kick out? We, I guess Justin because that's part of the question. It's just like he doesn't want to be there anymore anyway, right? You got to give her a lance. 
No, Lance is fine. He wants to go to the moon. I thought Lance wanted to go yeah, to the moon. Yeah, he did. He never yeah. made it. Did he make it to the moon? Just like all those lady astronauts who oh, find yes. spacesuits. Have you heard about SNL this? SNL did a really good bit on that it's this week. It's so I ridiculous. It. it was... Um, Aidy Bryant, who did oh, it. Oh, she's the best. And she, yeah. it was like, you can make a suit for a monkey. You can make yeah. a suit for like a, dogs. Yeah. But I'm okay with just one girl suit. <laughs> yeah. It was really funny. Well, I recommend everybody watch I it. saw a great tweet from um, Jesus Nice of Jesus and Marrow. I don't know if you guys are the best. Um, they had a they had a show on, what was their, on like, on Vice, and then they're moving to Showtime. They started with a podcast, but Jesus, like, quote tweeted that story and wrote, Fashion Nova, at Fashion Nova, this is your time to shine. <laughs> or something like that. And I was like, Fashion Nova's on it. Um, I do want to say that Harry and Stevie performed a duet of um, Stop Dragging My Heart Around at, How was at it? her induction. Well, it hasn't aired yet, so we don't know. But we, they posted photos. I guess it was cool. Um, it seems like it was probably awesome. I have linked JT inextricably with Justin Timberlake JT. because I meet a lot of people, right? I have 600 yeah. students. Yeah. Katie, you know what this is like to yes. have so many yeah. students in class. So I have to make up tricks for myself. So for you, yep. I would be like Justin Timberlake. Just Justin Timberlake. Yep. Wow. Frustrating. You've what got, a like, compliment. You've got I would like get a boy band face. People are always like, JT like Justin Timberlake. I'm like, you know, he... When I was born, he was still Justin from NSYNC. And right, then he became Justin. just Justin for yeah. a while. And then he became JT. He was so one I think of I, the... Wait. <laughs> Wait, yeah, he was one of the ends from NSYNC. Yeah. Isn't that what they did? They it was the last it was the last letter of yeah, uh-huh. something like that. Except for Lance, they used the C. Something or no, JC. I don't remember. Anyways, I've yes. got one more would you rather <laughs> up yes. my sleeve. Jordy Lipkit on the Kylie Cosmetics website <gasps> was put on sale following rumors that Jordan Woods had an affair with Khloe Kardashian's boyfriend, Tristan Thompson. Can you just give us a okay. recap on the players? <laughs> I was going to say, this is like, this is a lot of words that don't even sound like words. Um, yeah, so Kylie Jenner is the sister of Khloe Kardashian. Khloe has a baby with Tristan Thompson, who's an NBA player. Um, and Kylie's best friend is Jordan Woods, or was. We don't, you know. I think they're trying to repair their friendship. But basically, Kylie had named a one of her highly successful lip kits from her like crazy line that makes billions of dollars after Jordan Woods. But now it has come out that I guess that Tristan Thompson, Chloe's, uh, the father of Chloe's baby and Jordan Woods had some kind of affair. I don't know what level, no one, we don't know exactly what happened, but so now Kylie, like you said, put that lip kit on sale. Cause it was like, you know, get out of my life. So it went from twenty eight dollars to I think it was thirteen or fourteen dollars, and it sold and people out. noticed. Yeah. yeah. So here's my question: Would you rather find out that your best friend cheated with your sister's boyfriend, or find out that your best friend discounted your line because she doubted your loyalty? Whoa. And I guess if you're Kylie, you're saying she definitely cheated, and if you're Jordan, you're saying, but I didn't cheat, and my best friend thinks that I did. Which side of that do you want to be on? Can I reread that? <laughs> That's a the, lot the, of information. I, I want to be on the side where the stock process. of my product didn't drop by 100%. <laughs> yeah. I would want to be on the side that could be fixed with communication. Yes. Where I could be honest about what really happened and hopefully the friend would be receptive to that information and the solution could be found. That's what side I'd want to I be like on. that answer. Mm-hmm. Plus she's our manager. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Um, I also think, well, what has happened and like what originally happened was that Jordan was getting all of this, like, you know, all the, what is that word? 
whatever. Attention? Not attention. It's like negative, whatever. Flack. All the flack, yeah. That's not the word I was thinking of, but that works. For <laughs> what happened, for this that happened, yeah. For all this stuff that happened, and everyone was like, what about, like, Tristan? Like, what a jerk. Yeah. Like, a very, like, your sister-in-law, or, oh, like, you know, near sister-in-law's best friend, who's a good, a pretty good, like, chunk younger than you. Like... Tristan, we are not pleased. No. So the, I so now so um, Jordan went on um, Jada Pinkett Smith's talk show, online oh talk my show, God, Red, I table talk. Red Table Talk. Yes, I love that. And um, kind of sussed it out a little bit, and like I guess it did happen. But they are, I guess that Kylie and Chloe did a tweet being like, "This is not Jordan's fault." Like she said that she acknowledged that after like after she had kind of dragged her a little bit. But I guess that they are trying to work it out, which that was my original point was that like. There is communication somewhere here where people are trying to work it out, which is nice. Chris Jenner says that she's praying about it. <laughs> so I have the Sunday Times waiting for me at home, and I hear there's a great think piece about the Kardashians. Ooh, I can't wait. Yes. Oh, I'm interested in that. Yeah. yeah. So we are about to close out our episode. Is there anything you haven't had a chance to share yet about greater goods philosophy that you want to make sure makes it onto the airwaves? I mean, we can, you want to talk about how people can get in touch with you for our charitable donations? Yep. So every month we give away three different donation baskets to charities that function within Massachusetts. Um, my email is msherry, M-S-H-E-R-R-Y, at G-G Imperials, with an S, dot com. And that's how you can submit an application if you'd like to um, apply for a basket. JT also handles a lot of external fundraisers that we do where we donate beer, whether it's in kegs or cans. He's doing a really cool one at Worcester um, pop-up yeah, in a doing, few weeks. Yeah, we're doing one in a couple. Yeah, actually, it's in May, uh, but that'll be uh, for U-Ink. Uh, it's being put on by UMass Medical Center. U-Ink and, is wonderful. Yeah, so we're doing a beer tent there. Then Crust will have uh, a pop-up there in so Old North Main Provisions. Uh, Joy Flanagan will be there. So it'll be a It's all our that. friends. Yeah, yeah. and at the pop-up to boot. So. <laughs> Alexis, Nate, Joy, JT. It'll be, it'll be a good time. That'll be a really good one. Well, this has been a lovely way yes. to spend our evening. Thank you so much for having us at Greater Good. Um, you all can find Poppet at Poppet Worcester on Instagram. And, please, and Twitter. And Twitter. Rate, Trying to get better about Twitter. Review, subscribe, and... Imbibe. Imbibe at Greater Good. Review, yeah. subscribe, imbibe. I have been Sarah. I have been Molly. And this is Poppet. Keep an eye out for our giveaways. Mass Foodies curates exclusive events and publishes thought-provoking content for the food-centric person. When asking yourself where to eat tonight, turn to MassFoodies.com to see what's happening in the Massachusetts food scene. That's MassFoodies.com.